our message today to be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Sound Doctrine. Good afternoon, everyone. Sound doctrine. When you think about sound, you think of the vibrations that, you know, travel through the air to your ear. And uh, when you also think about sound, something that is solid, something that is strong. And in this uh, sermon today, it's about strong, sound advice and belief in the Word of God. So, as we look at the uh, the words of the Bible, we find a lot of places where there is sound doctrine. There is sound advice. It's just a matter of whether or not we want to follow what we know. And God has made it plain to each and every one of us who are here today that we need to follow sound doctrine. Because in this world, as we know, We're going to need sound doctrine to get us through life, to get us through the things that are ahead that we know of that's going to come. So in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul, he gave, a, gave Timothy a commission, a duty to see to. And he said to Timothy in verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And he said to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Sometimes in this world of ours, there is not that message that is really going out. I haven't been to other churches to hear what, uh, how this message is being expanded. But I know that due to the things that we see that is bad happening in the world, that there is not much sound doctrine being spread about, at least by the way some people are acting now, nowadays. But here was this charge to Timothy, whether the time was ripe or not. And that was to preach the word, to preach against uh, defection, to preach sound doctrine, so that those who hear the word will remember, as time goes by, what the a word of God has said to them, that they may carry it and react and act accordingly. The other thing was to reprove or correct those in error or to rebuke those who were sinning, and also to exhort those who were already steadfast, but to exhort them to continue to grow. And so he told Timothy also to do this with patience and, and to be sure you're teaching the doctrines of Jesus Christ in, in his light, in the light of his word. So in the matter of doctrine, we know that the Father and the Son 
are on the same page. And he told Timothy why he should do this, why he should do this duty of, of talking about the word of God. Because in verse 3, he said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. They hear what they want to hear, not what they need, need to hear. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So Jesus said back in John 7 verses 16 through 17, he said, my doctrine is my, not mine, but his that sent me, talking about the Father. And if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, he said. So now in 2 Timothy, again, chapter 3, we see the reason why Paul commissioned Timothy to preach, exhort, rebuke, and do those things that the people will listen and not forget that they need to be paying attention to sound doctrine. He said in verse 1, this note, that in the last days, we hear this expression all the time, that in the last days, perilous or dangerous times shall come. And he listed the uh, causes that were leading to these dangerous times that we live in. I think we can probably agree that the times that we live in are not very stable. And the things that people are doing are not uh, according to sound doctrine. And so there's quite a list of characteristics that Paul gave in which he said that people are going to be lovers of themselves, selfish, self-centered, and also lovers of money, and also backbiters and haters of God. Hopefully we don't fit into that, uh, those characteristics. In verse 3, that they would be without natural affection, they would be truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Don't do those things, he said. So as we come across some of these uh, very charge-filled words, perhaps uh, we think uh, things flash into our mind about how these things are portrayed in the lives of other people. So between now and the return of Jesus Christ, the world is going to see terrible and dangerous times that are, that are uh, ahead. There will be a time of, if not now that we see it, uh, degrees of decadence and immorality and violence because no one seems to want to acknowledge God. So, Romans chapter 1, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So this was the thing that was making them do that reprobate mind. 
that they were doing that kept them from doing things that are righteous. Being filled, verse 29, with all unrighteousness, not keeping the Ten Commandments, things, things like that. It's because uh, they gave up, perhaps, in some way on, on, on God. He's not in their life. Neither is his word. And they don't believe. And they even refuse to acknowledge a him. They, it's the way it is. They leave him out of the question, out of the discussion, because they don't want to know about him or any doctrine that Jesus Christ gave. So God gave them over to their own stubborn and disobedient ways. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. The uh, Living Bible translation goes like this. God lets them do uh, what they want, and perhaps they will uh, live and learn. But in the Living Bible, they are fully aware of God's death penalty for those crimes. Yet they go right on ahead and do them anyway. And others follow right along. So things like uh, the lies and the hypocrisy and the sins of the world, they walk in the same path and do those uh, same things. So Paul in his day knew these characteristics and he saw how they were intensifying and would be intensifying because he said in the last days perilous times shall come. So we see wars, we see violence, we see corruption, we see crime, we see all of these other things uh, on every stage in life. And some think this will pass. I've seen you know, signs that say this too will pass when or whenever bad things come along. And we can be grateful that some things do pass and, and are not always that way. So it is that many go on as lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In Jude chapter, uh, in Jude 1, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 7. I don't think this is on your, uh, your outline there. But in the book of Jude, verses 1 through 7, Jude, the servant of Jesus, this is verse 1, Jesus Christ, and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So we can see ourselves that this scripture, who, uh, who it is written for. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. So there was a problem of many that were neglecting the sound advice, the sound uh, doctrine for something else. Verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into 
lasciviousness. You know, they were uh, changing uh, that there's just no moral uh, law. It's to do what you want. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ because he allows those things to continue and many, and perhaps in the hope that they will see the error of, of their ways and change and repent. But in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that didn't believe. So there is that thing that's ahead, that there is going to come a time of reckoning upon those people who do not believe. In verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great uh, day. Even, verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Fires that won't go out by dousing it goes out on its own because you know Sodom and Gomorrah is not it's not burning anymore it did what it had to do and there's a, a time coming that in in this day and age there uh, we have all these peril perilous times coming and mankind will have to account uh, for those uh, wrongs but what about those Christians who are seeking to live a lawful life you know, we do the best we can in our homes and in our jobs, aware that, you know, things could happen to us. Things could happen to our loved ones. You know, we've heard about all of the uh, mass shootings and things of that sort that have taken place. And so it makes you kind of, it makes me anyway, kind of wondering, if I'm in a crowd, will I hear uh, gunshots coming? We don't know, but we do have to pray. So what about Christians who are seeking to live a lawful life with the hope that also their fellow man, their neighbor, are doing the same thing? Second Timothy, uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. He says, Yeah, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. All that will live godly shall suffer persecution and evil men and seducers shall grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. So you had your Bible, you know, there, there's a good thing to underline there. Uh, continue in the things which you have learned. So we've learned many things and coming to Sabbath services and in our Bible studies and in our prayer lives, which uh, we ask God to show us and give us direction. And in talking to Timothy, he said, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. We have to believe that this is, this is a sound doctrine. These words give us sound doctrine doctrine, something we can anchor our hopes and our souls in because they are able to make us wise 
unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, we all know, have read this before, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, how to live a godly life. Verse 17, that the man of God or the person of God or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, we read where Paul in verse 1 is reminding those in the church to walk worthy of the vocation or the, or the, or the job in which they are called. To walk worthy, sometimes, we don't always walk as good as we should. <laughs> uh, well, <coughs> I won't bring up any personal things here because, uh, but I will. Every time I come up these steps, I'm wondering, will my legs buckle, will my knees buckle? And uh, so anyway, uh, knowing that there can come a time when you're you least unexpected, unex uh, like Alan Sutton used to say on Candy Camera, that somebody will surprise you with some sort of adversity that you weren't expecting. And sometimes we do it to ourselves. But sometimes we carry burdens in our life. Maybe we have health issues. Maybe we have aches and pains and things of that uh, sort. And we carry these burdens around. But our job, our duty to walk is to do so with faith and to do so with hope and to do so with uh, charity, with love. And so Paul is reminding the Ephesians that the work, that they are to walk worthy of the calling that God has made. And also in verse 12, that the work of the ministry is for the perfecting of the saints and the edification of the body of Christ. You know, that is the body of Christ, that, that's the church. So the words that we hear, the words that we study, they're all for uh, uh, edification of ourselves because we are uh, members in particular of the body of Christ. The reason till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we come to that point, that would have to be when Christ comes back and resurrects us and gives us a body that is like his. That is the measure of, of Jesus Christ. But right now we're working toward that and it's all gradual. It's not all at once. Our perfection doesn't come just uh, suddenly or over a week, or a month, or even years. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So as Christians, we are to no longer be children, but to be mature in faith, to be becoming mature in faith, to be stable. And 
not blown about by every wind of doctrine that we that we hear. Of course, a doctrine is a uh, a belief. It's a position in a branch of knowledge like religion or even politics or, or science and government. But in our Christian view, the word doctrine means to us that which is the gospel truth, according to, of course, the teachings of Jesus Christ in both from both the Old and the New Testament. So as we know, there are many denominations, there are many churches that have different uh, variations in belief and doctrine but all churches have a mission just like uh, our church here and that is to establish to build this church on solid ground and like some churches the mission is to save lost lost souls by teaching the doctrines of Jesus Christ that whoever hears whoever listens may have a, a better life a lawful life but is there a perfect church is there a church that has everything going for it that's absolutely perfect, that has all of the right stuff, the right doctrines, and, and the right way of worship? But you, we know that even the biggest, even the richest church, the most influential church, is not perfect. Now, about the church in Ephesians here in uh, Ephesians 4, Paul said, verse 4, that there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one hope for us, a hope for us that we meet this calling that has been given to us, and that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and so on. So Paul is addressing the spirit of unity and oneness that a church should have. Regarding this, this church at Ephesus, the Bible commentator, Thompson, he noted that the converted Jews that were in Ephesus, they were inclined to be exclusive. And so they separated themselves from the Gentile brethren. And Paul reminds them with words like quicken together, build it together, that they should think as one. So we see that there is not the perfect church that does not have issues or things that divide them. But we're to strive for that oneness that is in Jesus Christ. And so we look around and we see all these various denominations that are divided by some doctrine or some uh, belief. We remember the first Corinthians, uh, the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11, where it says that we're, some were saying, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, and some for Jesus Christ. But is Christ, and he asked, is Christ divided? So in our belief system, we can point, all of us can point to a particular beginning. You know, from the Radio Church of God, the Worldwide Church of God, even uh, on down to the Seventh-day Church of God, that we have kept something that is common to us in a common way and a common salvation, and that would be like the doctrine of the Sabbath and the holy days, to name a few, with Christ, of course, as the center. 
So as every church and individual should point to, we know that Christ is the head of the church. He said he would build his church. And so we are a part of that building, fitly framed. Paul wrote, verse 9, that we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So we have teachers, we have speakers, we have people who are in charge of various activities here in the church. We have deaconesses and deacons and technicians and musicians and so on to build the church, to fitly frame it in according to the pattern that Jesus Christ wants us to have, and that is oneness, helping one another out. So according to the grace, verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, said Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds thereon. And that is true in every church. You know, the generation comes and the generation goes. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. It's been a long time. Uh, this church, this church building here, is the result of the vision that uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Gregory had, and others who were able to uh, uh, sign the note and pay the, and here only recently, I guess, and a few years ago that the building is paid off. So it's a church that has a chance to build, a church that has a chance to grow, not only physically, but also in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, because there are many here who know the word of God and who can expound the word of God. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Back when my wife and I lived in Big Sandy, uh, it, we were facing among many thousands of students there. But when we came back to this area, uh, we didn't know what church we were going to attend. Uh, we knew about the worldwide church had a church, but it, there were some things that we did not agree with. And so at looking one day through uh, the journal, I think that's what it was, I saw uh, the name of a host, <laughs> David Hope. He was hosting, well, he didn't really intend to host, but he was the host. And it was pointed out to some of us that, hey, hey we can meet now with uh, the new church, the Church of God International. And so we go from, you know, knowledge to knowledge. But the thing that keeps us together is the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his grace that he gives to each and every one of us because we're not perfect. We're not, we're, we don't know everything there is to know. And so every man should take heed on how he builds thereupon. And so in a way, David and Steve came along uh, at a time when we needed someone to uh, give uh, sermons and give messages. And so some of us nervously went ahead and 
as Lawrence uh, gave us uh, the room to do that. So here we are. And for me, I like sharing the Word of God, even though I may not know everything there is to know or say it in the right way. I love sharing the Word of God, just as many of you love sharing the Word of God when we come to fellowship. But no church is perfect. No person is perfect. And so, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, I'm going to read from the, the Living Bible. Paul is writing and he says, Dear brothers, I beg you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to stop arguing among yourselves. Let there be real harmony so that there won't be splits in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Verse 12, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul, and others say they are for Apollos or for Peter, and some that they alone are the true followers of Christ. And so, in effect, you have broken Christ into many pieces. And as Paul had asked earlier, is Christ divided? So we're not perfect in knowledge or in our conduct, but we see what that has resulted in, that there are so many denominations, Protestants and, and Sabbath keepers too, but there are many common beliefs that, that we share. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, there are six fundamental principles that make up the doctrine of Christ. Verse 6, therefore leaving, curious uh, word there, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And how do we do that? And he said, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These, these uh, doctrines, these things that we are familiar with, that we have grown to become familiar with. So we see a call to go on. That is to advance, to go forward from what was laid that formed the basis of our conversion and understanding of our calling and purpose. And we see the principle of repentance from dead works. You know, the, the dead works are the works of the flesh that lead to death. That we live a life of change instead, a life of overcoming, of having faith in God and adding to it things like patience and other virtues. Having faith in God, it requires waiting. It requires patience. But it's an exercise that God wants to strengthen us in. The other is of baptism. And, you know, what the burial of the old self means to our way of life in Christ Jesus by uh, just becoming a new creature in Jesus Christ. And we see a belief in the coming of uh, Christ and the resurrection of the dead. And that's what motivates many of us, that we want to be there when Christ comes back and raises the dead those who are his and not only that but to see our loved ones who have passed on many years ago to be greeted to once again 
I know a, uh, a lady, a woman who, who uh, she and her uh, daughter uh, were at odds with one another. And she called and, and said uh, with tears, I could tell that uh, she was crying with tears in her voice, that she would like just one more chance to hold her daughter in her arms. And this is one of the things that pray, prayers can do, that it can change circumstances. And that wish of hers and that prayer of mine 